Made to be Broken, Episode 10. You're listening to Made to be Broken, a podcast about the human side of law school and the law. And I'm your host, Andrew Ligon Fant. Our guest today is Frank Lumpkin. Frank's a first year law student at the University of Georgia School of Law. He also did his undergrad at UGA and has a degree in finance. He's passionate about entrepreneurship and community improvement. In addition to being a law school student, he's the CFO of Colga, a Columbus apparel brand, and the president of the Youth Infrastructure Coalition. Frank, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Logan. All right, we will get into entrepreneurship and community improvement in a bit. But first, tell me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Where'd you go to undergrad? Uh, What do you do for fun? And how'd you wind up at UGA Law? We also have William Corbin here with us. Hello. I know I I just threw a lot at you, Frank. But first, a little bit of background. Where are you from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm from Columbus, Georgia, the uh, the greatest um, city and the greatest state in the union. Um, I grew up there all my life, born and raised, and uh, hope to go back there someday. Okay. And you went to UGA for undergrad. What what brought you to UGA as opposed to other options? Well, um, I mean, I, I was born a bulldog. I was actually, in fact, inducted in the alumni association as a child. Uh, my granddad was an insanely big bulldog fan, so I guess it was destined. My dad used to joke that, um, you know, he said Frank can go to any college he wants to, um, but if he goes to the University of Georgia, I'll pay for it. And, okay. uh, and so that's, that's a good reason to go <laughs> that, but, but no, um, the bona fide reason is I love this state and, um, you know, I, I went to the, the state school because that's where I'm going to make the connections to, uh, meet the people that are going to be running the state that I hope to be a part of. Okay. Um, why did you study finance specifically? Was there a particular reason for that or? you know, you just had to study something. Sort of kind of, I mean, fell in my lap. I definitely knew I wanted to do something in, in the business world. And uh, and so when I was just looking at all the different degrees, I was actually going to do a, a double major in real estate and finance. And um, finance was a bit more competitive than the real estate program at the time. And so I was like, well, and, and you can only apply to one part of the business school at a time. And so I went ahead and went uh, for finance because I was like, well, um, you know, if I don't get in here, real estate will be my backup and I can apply for finance later. Uh, and then I found out uh, I had, you know, enough credits to graduate in three years and enter law school. And so I just dropped the whole real estate thing and just did finance. Okay. Um, so did you go to, you only did three years of undergrad, is that right? That's right. Yeah. But uh, but you, you did a full four-year program in three years? Uh, that's correct. Okay. Very cool. Because there is a different program where people can do three years of undergrad than three years of law school by design. That's right. Yeah, that's called three plus three. Uh, and, and it's basically, you know, a cost saving measure where uh, you can still use, you know, Hope Zell Miller, um, an incredible opportunity we have as Georgia residents where it, it pays all of your tuition. Um, and so I opted to go the UGA scholars route, though, because you have to pick between uh, the two where you still get a scholarship. Um, it's not full tuition, but 
uh, with that scholarship, I didn't have to take the LSAT. So uh, I think one of my, my biggest fears and uh, just, just the bane of my existence are standardized tests. And so yeah. the, the, least, the less standardized tests I have to take in this lifetime, the better. So I went ahead and, uh, and went into law school. I knew I was in law school in October, so um, really had a great year. I got to do a lot of traveling and uh, just hanging out with friends my senior year um, or my last year. And it really felt like a, a solid senior year of college. Really jealous that y'all have that full tuition uh, state scholarship program. South Carolina needs to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to be in the the South Carolina General Assembly one day, so I'm sure I'm sure you can work something out. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I think South Carolina has the what the life scholarship program is that right? I'm, it's not do, good we, though. We like it barely... William and I are both from South Carolina. Uh-huh, we, uh-huh. we don't have anything uh, got, quite like what you're talking. I got about. scholarships and it barely covered half of Clemson. I mean, you know, I don't think there is any state in the country that has anything like Georgia. I mean, uh, with with Hope and Zell Miller, I mean, you you have a three O and a certain score on your standardized test. And I mean, it's like a blanket scholarship. Every student gets it. Uh, I mean, pretty much every student in my high school got it. And what that does is it keeps people in the state and, you know, uh, it, it, it defeats the, the brain drain, um, you know, where people leave and go somewhere else and find a new place. Um, and I mean, that's keeping talent in Georgia. And so, I mean, it's, a, it's an investment in our future. So I think I yeah, think it's, it's a great thing. It's huge because it's not like it's a free tuition to like community college, which there's nothing wrong with community colleges. They're fantastic for some things, but absolutely, you're talking about graduate here. You're talking, yeah. well, not graduate, yeah. uh, almost Attendee, graduate. Yeah, uh, you're talking about full tuition to the University of Georgia, which is not a which is a serious academic institution. Like absolutely, you can really uh, make a dent there. Um, what kinds of things do you do for fun other than entrepreneurship and? community involvement because we will we'll, we'll get into that later or if, if they bleed into each other that's fine no 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 I definitely uh, have a few things to you know keep my mind off of uh, you know just the stresses of law school and uh, and running these businesses and my nonprofit um, I I love to run I try to run every other day if I don't I go absolutely mad uh, so it's it's sort of one of those things um, running where it's like a positive feedback loop. Like if I run hard, I'll study hard. And so it's, um, it's really great. I, I, that's the only thing that keeps me sane. Um, when I have a little bit more time, I, I love to get it in the air. I'm a pilot. Uh, I got my pilot's license. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I did it for my senior project and, uh, I just, I love getting up in the air. It's nothing. I don't think there's a better way to see God's creation than from the sky. Have you ever been skydiving? I have been skydiving. Okay. All right. I, I've, I've done that. I've I've flown, but I wasn't bit. the pilot when yeah, I when yeah. I skydived. Well, that's so, good. <laughs> so the, you know, I wasn't jumping out of a plane for an emergency. Sounds yeah. like that's one of those things you try once, and you know, skydiving as a pilot can't do it again. Well, uh, I it's it's it was an incredible experience. I got to do it down in Australia, actually. Um, oh wow! And I guess that that you know was a great segue into another hobby that I don't get to do very often. Um, I'm, I love sailing. Uh, when I get the opportunity, I actually uh, did some blue water sailing where I sailed from French Polynesia to Australia, yeah, forty three hundred miles um, across the South Pacific you Ocean. You did a semester at sea, right? It's called or semester. Yeah, yeah. Okay. semester. Well, so. well, see the the difference is. Uh, semester at seas on a cruise ship, and oh. uh, I mean, I was on a I was on a 116 foot schooner. Um, so wait, wait, when was this? That that would be between my sophomore and junior year of college. 
So about two years. Okay. Tell me again what exactly you did. So you, you sailed from... French Polynesia. It's about uh, midway in between South America and Australia. Yep. And um, I, I sailed from... I've sailed all around there. Saw Tahiti, Bora Bora, Marea, um, Taha. Sailed to the Cook Islands, which are part of New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then, and, and that island was super cool we were on. It was... Uh, in circumference a marathon so i but you know we never had free time so I, I didn't get to run it but i really wanted to run around the whole island just so i could say i ran a marathon and literally you know <laughs> circumference an island yeah, um wild. sailed to uh the the uh, kingdom of tonga which is the only monarchy in the south pacific as well as the only place in the world that you can swim with whales and uh, i got to swim with the largest mammals on earth and um I mean, it was like out of like a Nat Geo uh, documentary. It was, it was, I mean, incredible. What kind of whales were they? Ooh, that's a, I think they were blue whales. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and they were, it was, there were two, um, two bulls, uh, fighting over a cow. And so, and then all of these dolphins came in and dolphins, you know, like humans are just interested in, you know, seeing what's up and they're very curious creatures. And so but of course they had a better view cause they could swim to the depths and like get, you know, within a couple feet of the wells while we were, you know, at the top of the, um, the water. And yeah, I mean, we got to see them breach and then they would come up and go back down. It was, it was like, like I said, out of a nature documentary. Um, from there we sailed to Fiji, uh, just another incredible place. I was working on, um, some of my diving requirements. I'm also a rescue diver. Uh, another thing <laughs> that I like to do. do. <laughs> Oh, uh, there's plenty. There's there's lots of more experiences I hope to have. Uh, absolutely, and and then we went to Vanuatu, uh, which is like very similar to Fiji, a lot less developed. Uh, so I, I like that part of it. And then uh, on to Australia, where I got to dive in the Great Barrier Reef. And so, how long were you sailing for? Three I, months, three ninety months. days. Mm-hmm. How do you? And how many people are on this boat? There were twenty two of us, um, and then like so you know, a lot of us were like student crew members. And then we had like the actual staff crew members who are professional sailors. And so we're all learning to sell, but, um, you know, they kind of kept us in line. They were also our teachers. I was taking classes while I was on this boat. Um, they were our dive instructors. And so, like I said, I got my rescue diver. Uh, you know, it was really, really incredible experience. We got a whole lot out of the trip. No kidding. Wasn't, um, was it Tonga or Vanuatu where the king holds all the boars and you can't hunt them? <laughs> yes, that's uh, that is the kingdom of Tonga, and um, only the king and his like assigned you know friends um, get to to hunt the boars on the island, and so there are wild pigs everywhere. Like in the streets and the little towns, they'll just be like a, a mom and all her piglets, you know, uh, feeding, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a wild experience. It's crazy. Um, how did you, I, I've never even heard of this. So like, how did you get involved in that? Was that through, was that, do you have friends who had done that before? Do you have family? Like, how did you even know about this? I'll, I'll tell you exactly what was happening. Um, my first year and a half at Georgia, I hated it. Okay. I, I thought I wanted to leave here. Nothing was going my way. Um, I, I just, I remember the first like six student groups I applied to, I got denied from all of them. And, uh, and just never felt like I had a really great group of friends, um, you know, here. And so I went and I was like, I want to I get as far away as possible 
um, from the University of Georgia. I want to do something I can get a lot of credits at. So I got 12 hours on this trip and uh, I want to see a, a new part of the world and experience something completely different. So I was looking at semester or at semester at sea that was on the cell or that was on the um, the cruise ship. But I came across uh, semester and I was like, whoa, I could pick up a new skill uh, sailing. I could also improve my, my scuba diving. Um, I can take even more hours, and so that'll help me graduate faster. Uh, and I can see the South Pacific, which is just, you know, a, a somewhere which is I never... Which hard to get to. It is. Even, it if, is. even if you're there. And, yeah. and Even if you're in the Pacific, it's hard to get there. And it's actually, it was on my bucket list to, like, island hop between the South Pacific. I always imagined doing it by airplane, but, you know, there's not really flights in between those islands. There isn't. So, um, so I mean, what a better place, you know, what a better way to do it than roll up to the island in a sailboat. And so it, it was sort of funny, though. Um, everything really started turning around after I signed up for that trip. Um, I got involved with my church here in Athens and just found a really great community there. Uh, met a girl. Um, we're not together anymore, but she fantastic person, great experience. And then I got involved with the entrepreneurship program where I really found a group of friends that I loved. And by the time I was supposed to leave for my trip, I was really go. sad to leave. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad I had the experience, and I am glad I left. Um, but I was ready to be back in Athens, and I've loved living in this town ever since. What do you mean by denied from student groups? I'm a little confused. I'm sorry. I, I probably didn't explain that very well. Uh, you know, I don't know how the, you know y'all's experience going to a lot. I mean, you went to Clemson. I went you, to West Point. You went to, well, West Point's a bit different, but, yeah. uh, you know, a you big... Have, you have mandatory student groups there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mandatory fund acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I knew that. I've, I've some friends at West Point and it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a unique experience for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's an incredible experience. Um, I know, but with a big state school, I mean, there's just so many people and, and one like Georgia, and I was telling you earlier about, you know, Hope and Zell Miller, how competitive our programs here have gotten. You know, it's the bright, best and brightest from all across the state. And so to expect to be, you know, big man on campus like you were in high school is an unrealistic expectation that I had going into college. I yeah. thought I was going to be student government president by the time I left here, president of my fraternity. I was never in a fraternity. President of, you know, whatever other student group, you know, like king of the business school, whatever you call it. You know, I wanted to be the big man on campus, and uh, God had other plans for me, um, quite frankly. Yeah. And and yeah, I— Yeah, a dose of humility. <laughs> I did. I did. and uh, But I wasn't ready for it. I got uh, denied from the honors program, uh, the student judiciary, and I was like, well, there go. I shouldn't go to law school, I guess. I got kicked out of there. But no, um, in, 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 I just was so frustrated. And um, I remember after that, that sixth thing I didn't get into, it was, it was the honors program. And I got uh, that over Christmas break. And I remember going into to the winter break and saying that if I don't get into the honors program, I'm leaving Georgia. <laughs> but uh, I didn't. So I'm still here. And um, it, it, it was such a good experience, though, to um, be denied from those things because it made it gave me this passion to say, well, like, what do I really care about? Like, what do I really want? Maybe... Maybe those things aren't, you know, maybe, maybe this big idea of what I thought that, that I need, where I needed to be isn't where I actually need to be. And so I uh, started, you know, I made a list of like, well, what do I care about? And 
I looked back at my hometown of Columbus and I said, well, what can I do to make an impact there? And I, I was going home a lot um, because I, I didn't like Georgia. I was, you know, going back home and on the weekends, honestly, just kind of feeling sorry for myself. But then instead of feeling sorry for myself, I, I signed up to speak to some uh, some local government um, things like the Chamber of Commerce, um, the city council, the city council in the neighboring county and uh, the state transportation board. And, and that's how we got started on the I-14 project. And that's when I founded my first venture, uh, the Youth Infrastructure Coalition. Yeah. So w- tell me about that, because I'm not I'm not from Georgia. I, I lived here for uh, about four years of my life. But a lot of that was either training in the army or we were deployed. You know, I went to several different countries from Georgia. I really didn't spend a lot of time here. So I'm not as familiar with Georgia as I would like to be. Um, So tell me about the I-14 project. What was the impetus behind that? What was the goal? And then what did you actually accomplish there? Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, you are a perfect example of of someone, um, you know, who would benefit greatly from I-14. You know, Fort Benning is the largest military base in the world right south of Columbus. But it sits on a, a spurway of an interstate. Uh, or spur of an interstate. Um, I mean, it's often coined the world's largest cul-de-sac because it dead ends into Fort Benning. Right. Um, and that strategically for military for the military makes Fort Benning not great for a deployment base. And for that reason, all of the units that deploy are no longer at Benning. It's just training now. And uh, for, for that reason, um, and that's just one, Columbus is not on the map because the only reason you go, you drive on I-185, which is the inter- our spurway, is to go to Columbus. It's, there's no throughway. And I mean, there's just so many lost opportunities, whether it be throughway traffic, spending money um, on their trips, whether it be Amazon looking to put a new distribution center in a place, or um, a car manufacturer who uses just-in-time uh, shipping and manufacturing. They're not gonna locate in a place like Columbus. Um, further, Columbus is a, a great, uh, I think it's about 40% of people in Columbus are below the poverty line. And the types of jobs they need aren't, you know, these big corporate jobs that we have. Um, you know, I think the military is a great option um, for, for many uh, people in that situation. But they what we really need is more blue collar work. And we're never going to have that when we can't have, uh, you know, an Amazon distribution center or a car plant or, um, you know, businesses of that sort. And so I-14 is about putting Columbus on the map, you know, making sure that Benning stays there and wants to be there and grows. And most important of all is evening that playing field from an economic development standpoint. Yeah. So, so your goal was to make Columbus, turn it from being like a, the end of the line into a hub. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So what's the status of the project right now? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is incredible how far we've come. Um, We, so the first presentation I ever gave was to the chamber of commerce. And I remember, uh, you know, constantly Googling I-14 just to make sure, you know, nothing new happened on it because for about 10 years, there's been a group out in Texas called the Gulf Coast Strategic Highway Coalition um, working on, uh, you know, I-14. Um, I failed to mention earlier, Interstate 14 will run from Odessa, Texas to Augusta, Georgia. So it's a very 
um, you know, it's a five state project. And uh, like literally the day before I gave my presentation, I-14 opens in Texas, just a 25 mile stretch, but you know, an I-14 nonetheless. And so I changed everything in my presentation that night to saying, you know, new interstate to expanding existing interstate, uh. which, you know, just the fact that I already had, you know, that, um, you know, to, to, you know, work, work with rather than just starting an entirely new concept, uh, I mean, just changed the dynamics of the game completely. And so after, uh, you know, that I actually, we tried to reach out to that group and they were basically said, well, good luck. Y'all are a little bit behind where, where we're at. So, um, I, I said, all right, well, uh, you know, we need to work the ground up. And so I made it my goal to get every um, county uh, commission on board, uh, running f from all the way from Alabama to Georgia. And uh, once we had all the counties on board, we went to the Alabama legislature and the Georgia General Assembly and uh, gained uh, bills of support from them. And when they approved the project, we sent those to Congress um, and sent those to each of our congressmen on the route. I met with each of them and got them to join the I-14 caucus. And uh, we are currently working with Texas, um, the Texas team, on a bill um, with representation from all five states, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. And uh, we were able to get it, pass a bill through the House of Representatives as part of the Moving Forward Act. Um, but then, of course, it got shut down by the Senate um, in this past Congress. But uh, we, we have high hopes of getting it through. And so that would provide us designation for the route. What's the biggest obstacle to getting that done? It seems like that would benefit uh, all five states pretty greatly. So w what's the opposition? Absolutely. Well, uh, awareness, number one, and then money constraints, number two. Okay. Um, awareness, number one, because if people want something bad enough, it doesn't matter how much it costs. Um, but we got to make this an issue contra that people, that, that voters care about, that they will hold their elected officials accountable. And my biggest job is building a fire under all these elected officials and making sure that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Um, you know, I mean, a promise that someone gives you that you can't, you know, where it went, one that you can't hold them accountable for is an empty promise. So yeah. in order um, to do that, I, I got to be out. I got to be talking to people like you and, and informing people what this project is and its benefits and its importance to them. And, uh, and that's largely what we've been doing. Um, we made what's called the My 14 video, um, and it just is like a five-minute explanation of the route, and it shows the faces of the people that I-14 will be helping. And we made it that way on purpose to just really, you know, instill um, passion in people's hearts about, like, this interstate, it's not just this big infrastructure project that you know is pie in the sky it's something that's going to impact you in the next few years and um it it we aired it and um it was pretty much just in like local you know news stations um and not really getting much press and then fox news picked it up um it okay. made on uh you know shepherd smith um, when he was still on and uh u.s news and world report picked it up and uh, I mean, it, and this it's is circulated a video from the Youth Infrastructure Coalition. Yes, it's called the My 14 video. You can go to my14.org/video if you want to check it out. And I'll link that down below. Check out the description. I'll, I'll include a link. To awesome. It. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Logan. This is so impressive. You know, lots of there's people like to talk about politics and issues, and there's people that are getting out there doing something about it, showing a passion for community. You know, grassroots. I, I'm stunned hearing that story. You know, it's so cool. Is this a 
is this a partisan issue? Like, I don't, I, I'm not sure. Sometimes it's not obvious where the party lines are on things no, like this. No, I was this. actually just about. Does it about, become a partisan issue at all? I was just about to bring that up. Um, no, it, it really doesn't. It's, um, that's why I love it so much, because I feel like we can all get together as a community on this. I mean, my two, my first two sponsors in Georgia um, were, you know, uh, Sanford Bishop, um, very uh, powerful Democrat, and he's my congressman um, in Columbus. And then uh, Jody Heiss, who actually represents Athens. Um, they're my two lead sponsors in Georgia. And, uh, I mean, Jody Heiss is a very far-right um, conservative, and he's working with Sanford Bishop, who um, is is a one of the longest-serving Democrats in the U.S. Congress. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think a lot of times we take for granted the infrastructure around us, um, and it, it's easy to not really think about the interstate system or the highway system. Um, but there are, it, there are actually, it does actually require that people maintain it absolutely, and continue to modify it to meet our needs. Uh, because when it was designed and built, you know, in the mid uh, 1900s, um, they didn't have the same requirements or the same, uh, population levels and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's good to know that somebody is paying attention to this, um, did you, and more people need to, I mean, this is, this is something that affects all of us. It's not just about being able to, you know, go on vacation. It's, these are what trucks and um, you know, a lot of heavy transportation runs on. And like you said, like Amazon, certainly, certainly uh, companies like that depend on these, this infrastructure to get us the things we need. Um, do you have a background in infrastructure? Like how did you, <laughs> how did, how did this specific topic? Not at up? all. Uh, I, I, I care about Columbus. And this was something I saw um, to impact Columbus. But, you know, as I started giving these presentations, I realized it's just it's so much bigger than Columbus. I mean, of course, it's every city on the route, but it's even bigger than that. I mean, in our video, we say anyone within 100 miles of this thing is going to be impacted heavily. Um, one of the biggest benefactors of this thing is going to be the city of Atlanta. And uh, I mean, I was just talking with uh, a mayor from uh, a northeastern suburb of Atlanta and about this, you know, clearly not on the route, but he sits on the, uh, the Georgia Regional Transportation Authority Board, and um, they're in charge of, you know, solving infrastructure uh, issues in, in the metro area. And Atlanta desperately needs a bypass. I-14 is that bypass. The solutions they're using right now are just Band-Aids. Um, it's very interesting. Um, I have done a lot of research now um, that, that I never thought I'd be doing, but um, there's actually a one-to-one -one ratio of when you add a lane of how many cars will be added. So because, you know, less people use the public transit that was available because traffic does improve for a little bit when you add a lane or people that were carpooling now drive themselves. Um, and so it's, it's, it's one of the few linear relationships like in this world. But if you add one lane of traffic, traffic will increase by exactly that much. Um, and, and I mean, of course... Not infinitely, but um, so the only way to solve that problem is take unnecessary vehicles completely off the route um, that you're trying to alleviate traffic in. So, for instance, um, one of the biggest uh, traffic producers for Atlanta is the Port of Savannah. Uh, it's the fastest growing port in the world. Uh, and it's the sixth largest in the United States. And I mean, I think it's going to take overtake an, uh, another few. Um, and that's only, you know, making traffic worse in metro, the metro area. And so what we need to do is take that truck traffic off that doesn't need to be going through Atlanta 
and reroute it, you know, through Columbus. And in the meantime, those trucks will be stopping for gas and um, for food and for housing, and that will benefit those other communities that need that little economic push. Absolutely. I'm looking at a map right here, and, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever I want to go to Alabama or whenever I want to go to Alabama or something, I always had to go through Atlanta. It was really frustrating. And um, so would it go Columbus through Macon to Augusta? That's right. That's right. And that's such a more natural route, like a just bypass Atlanta. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, Atlanta and Atlanteans don't want you coming through Atlanta. You and know, I don't it's, want to go through there unless I'm going Exactly. There. Exactly. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah, I remember driving down to uh, Fort Benning from South Carolina when I moved there um, when I was stationed there in a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I drove I drove my, my truck with a trailer through downtown Atlanta. And I was just following like Google Maps. But I was like, what am I doing? Why is this taking me like through downtown Atlanta? Um, I haven't thought about it a lot since, but obviously you have. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense that a lot of things go straight through downtown Atlanta that Absolutely. should not be Absolutely. going through downtown Atlanta. So on top of being a law student and running the Youth Infrastructure Coalition, mainly focused on I-14, you also are the CFO, right? That's uh, right. Of, a, of, a, of an apparel brand based out of Columbus, Georgia. Yes. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Tell me, like, what inspired you to do that? Um, how did you get it up and running? And uh, what has your overall experience been with doing that? I have no idea. I yeah, absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. So like most people, um, COVID threw a wrench in our plans. I was supposed to work in Washington, D.C., and I was also supposed to go to Iceland. Um, and both of those things were canceled and my, my DC internship got moved online. And so, uh, while I was doing that, I was in Columbus and just an itch that I've always had was, uh, when I first went off to college, I always wanted to wear something that just represented my hometown because I love Columbus so much. Um, but there never was any good option. And I told, uh, people who, own stores in Columbus. I told the Whitewater shop, um, and Whitewater is, uh, is, is huge in Columbus. We have the largest urban Whitewater course in the world. We sit right on the, uh, the Chattahoochee River. And I told the Whitewater shop, I told um, other people who have apparel brands in Columbus that I want something that I can go to the University of Georgia and wear to show off my hometown. And no one did anything. And so I got together with uh, two of my other friends who were um, in town because of COVID. Um, one uh, goes to the New York Fashion Institute, and she is our chief marketing officer, and our CFO lives in Columbus, or CEO lives in Columbus, and graduated from Columbus State University. And um, we, we started this this brand. Um, and so I, I didn't start it in an entrepreneurship program at UGA, um, but I did, uh, you know, use so many of the things that I was taught from the program. Um, one was uh, the, the principle of creating... A, an ICP, and that's basically like creating something that uh, you you don't spend very much money on, and you just constantly, um, you know, pivot until you figure out that thing that the the, the customer really wants. And what, um, what is ICP? What does that stand for? To be honest, I have no oh, idea. Okay, so <laughs> um, I just know I know you know the term, and so uh, we we go out and we um, you know go downtown Columbus and we just ask people, you know, what, what do you want in apparel brand? Like what types of products, what, um, you know, what, what, what do you feel like represents Columbus would represent and encompass the values we have here 
in our apparel brand. And uh, we, we also figured out kind of the demographics that would wear our product. Um, we, I mean, we talked to just probably, you know, 200 people and like every market day in Columbus, Fridays, Saturdays, we'd go out there and just fill up, um, you know, like little notebooks full of notes. And uh, by the end of it, we, you know, discovered our, our values were going to be unity, preservation and progress. And I mean, those value, those values are represented by symbols in our logo. If, uh, if you do take a look at our logo, you can check it out at uh, colga.us is our website. And um, basically, it, uh, it has a water tower, and that's the, that's the uh, preservation. Um, we, for progress, we have the uh, whitewater paddles because the whitewater course um, was actually built uh, not all that many years ago, and it's transformed the tourism industry in Columbus and, um, and everything that's going on in uptown Columbus. And then uh, for unity, we have the river because the river's always been the thing that brings our communities together in Columbus, um, from when we were a mill town to when we were a, uh, a port town, um, and you know now for Whitewater. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. Um, it's something I didn't think I'd be doing while in law school, um, but really everything that I do, I I want to I want to give back to my hometown and. With the interstate, um, with Colga, and going to law school, all has to do with either sharpening my tools or adding new tools to my toolbox so that I can one day go back to Columbus and make it a better place. Yeah, I will say if, if anybody gets the chance to visit Columbus or Colga, uh, I would I'd really encourage it. It had a really bad reputation in the army when I first joined. This was quite a few years ago. And I think that was because when the older guys were there, which would have been even further back, it wasn't like, it wasn't what it is now, but so it had kind of a bad reputation, but then I actually went there and was stationed there and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's not a small town per se, because you have second like, largest city in Georgia. It's, it's huge by numbers. Bigger than Savannah? But it, it actually has, uh, it actually has kind of a small town feel in a lot of ways. I think that's because a, a lot of the people are transients. So you've got like Fort Benning and a lot of people kind of come and go. Um, but it, yeah, I don't know. Downtown Columbus, I haven't been there in quite some time. So I'm sure it's changed a lot since then. Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's really cool. It's I, better I like every it. time I go back. And I mean, we have had a string of visionary leaders who, I mean, just want to make a difference, want to get away from that, you know, past um, that we had, but we're progressing while also preserving our history. And, um, and I think that's one of the neatest things about Columbus. Yeah. I think most American communities have changed pretty radically in like the last 50 years, probably. Um, like you mentioned that the history of Columbus, you've got Milltown and then you've got the whole Fort Benning thing. Oh yeah. changed a lot. Um, and to what it is today, um, from your point of view, I don't know how much you've thought about this, but what are the main factors that. Uh, kind of determine whether a community gets better or worse right now and how how can we affect our communities on a daily basis I mean I, like for example I I've been pretty bad about this I'm not gonna lie um, I've been very transient over the years because I've lived like for a year here a couple years there a few years there and I, until more recently I didn't I didn't value giving back to my community that much um, because I never felt like I was really part of the community sure. 
Um, but I did get more involved through like soccer refereeing and volunteering with Boy Scouts and stuff like that in the last, say, five years. That's awesome. I'm um, an Eagle Scout. Love, love the yeah, Scouts. Yeah, so am I. Um, but from your point of view, what are the kinds of things that people can do um, to make their communities better? I think it's just simply investing in them and, and finding a way that, you know, that you can give back uniquely and authentically. Um, you know, for, for me, it was just, I went off to college and nothing was working out. And so I, I just looked and I, I, I was speaking with a mentor of mine and, you know, asked, you know, um, I want to do something for Columbus. Um, but, but like, you know, what, what, what do you think I should do? And he was, uh, he had heard me talk about I-14 before. Um, I, I actually, when I was getting my pilot's license, um, along with that research project, we had to write a, uh, or along with the, the, the senior project, we had to write a research paper and my paper was on economic development through airports. And I came across I-14 while doing that research. And so he said, well, why don't you do something about that interstate? And, um, I said, uh, you know, well, don't you think that's a little too ambitious for a 19 year old? And, uh, he said, son, just, you know, shoot for the stars. And, you know, if you hit the moon, uh, you did a lot better than if you had been aiming lower. And, um, you know, you're talking about wanting to improve this running trail, which that's great. But don't you think 30 miles of interstate through our community would be a whole lot more beneficial? And so I went for it. And, and so I'd, I'd encourage anybody who has an idea, um, something that they that they really authentically because they they have explored, they've experienced, they've seen the problems in that community. Um, any idea that they have, just run with it and go for it. And I mean, if, if everyone is uh, trying to make a contribution to their community like that, we'd live in a much better world. Yeah, and I also think entrepreneurship, like you're like you're talking about, uh, plays a huge role in that because you know there's new ideas, fresh ideas, um, and just the inspiration it brings with it um, is really good for communities. And if you stop like building products that people like or building businesses people like and can work at um, and gain value from you, I think you stagnate pretty, pretty quickly. Um, talk to me a little bit about real estate. What's your interest there and how do you think that plays into um, making better communities? Absolutely. I mean, real estate is one of these just anomalies because it can be an incredible investment, um, not only you know, to create private wealth, but also just um, to create like public spaces that are that are beautiful and vibrant and uh, and really bring a community together. Uh, downtown Columbus is an outstanding example of just so many different people coming together. Um, you know, whether it be the Columbus Development Authority, Uptown Columbus Inc., private developers, uh, the Columbus State University, the state of Georgia. Um, as well as, as stakeholders over in Alabama, too. I mean, the Phoenix City side, which is the city right across the river, is doing some big stuff as well. Um, just all coming together and saying, we have a beautiful asset here, the river, and we need to make this place beautiful. And we have all these old buildings. We need to restore them. We need to keep them here. Um, I mean, there, there are actually plans to t completely just destroy all the mills in downtown Columbus and build a huge mall. Oh. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean... Thank so the Lord. So sad. It, and, and that's happened to so many communities. I mean, for the longest time, it was the, the idea was that, oh, like if you don't have an olive garden in your community, I mean, you are, you're, you're behind the times. Um, but, but that's not, you I mean, you talk about what, you know, 
you're a transient person. We live in a global community and and more so now with COVID that we've seen that we can work from home. We can work from wherever you want. So you need to create a place that's unique and that people like that that's that's cool, that has something that other places don't. Um, not just the you know, not to to be rude to Olive Garden, but not just that has an olive garden, you know, that's right. that it can't be the, the thing that defines your community. And with real estate as a developer, you have the opportunity to create that community. Strip malls don't make communities. And I'd agree. It's very much the same thing with Greenful. Uh, you can cut that out. I had a thought. I forgot my thought. But, you know, Greenful. I'm not going to cut it out. I'm going to leave it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, 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 but, have a, you have a good you know, point. Green, like, like Greenful, an, that reminds me a lot of Greenville. Like an yeah. attachment to home. Like, you know, I different people are different. That's okay. For me, Greenville's home. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if I'm applying to work in Atlanta, please don't hear this. But, you know, I, I, eventually <laughs> I want to I go back home to Greenville. I'm applying to Greenville. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, don't want you, you want your home to progress. To, you don't want it to stagnate, but you don't want it to turn into the, just another cookie-cutter city with nothing to it. Exactly. You, yeah, that, finding that balance is so I, important. I'm, to be clear, I'm, I'm not proud of the fact that I treated – I'm probably way exaggerating the degree to which I didn't give back to my communities. I was always involved in, in something, you know, whether it was Boy Scouts or, or whatever. But when you come out of college and you – you know, I lived in Columbus for six months, Savannah for a couple months – deployed, came back for a little bit, went to Eastern Europe, came back, went to Arizona. You, you get into this mindset where you're just, this is just where I live for now. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm definitely looking forward to changing that and investing in somewhere. Um, I, have a, I have one big question though, and that, that is how do you balance all of this with law school? Because a lot of people, uh, myself included, find that law school is a full-time job plus a little bit um, in that, you know, it's, it's pretty much work all day, every day, and maybe take some little bit of time off on the, on the weekends to go um, take a little trip somewhere, maybe go for a hike or something. How do you balance law school plus all this other stuff? Absolutely. I told you about that positive feedback loop earlier um, where I, I exercise hard, I work hard, um, and I mean, that, that is, that's crucial. That balance is, is so crucial. And uh, also balancing that with my spiritual life, um, you know, reading my Bible, um, that, that keeps me grounded. And that's also a positive feedback loop. I, I don't get in ruts like I used to um, before or when I wasn't quite as involved in my faith. And I mean, that, that just, that makes it where there's these days that would have been wasted. Like I, I'm inspired. I keep moving. Um, I delegate whenever I can. And I mean, and I have such a great team with the Colga, my Colga team's incredible. Um, my youth infrastructure team, we've worked together for three years. We really just understand each other and, and work well together. We have a bunch of new, vol- a bunch of new volunteers locally in Columbus that are doing some great work. Um, and, uh, and then I don't get caught up on the small things. I, I just, that, that's, that's probably perhaps the biggest thing. And, um, I don't know if that just comes with maturity, um, or just being more grounded in my faith. Um, or also just the, the friend, I mean, I guess the friends I hang out with, I, I choose to be with people that don't cause a lot of drama and, um, and are, are just, are there for me and care about me. And, and I, I hope that I do the same thing for them. Um, but we just kind of all keep each other grounded and I don't get too wound up about things. Practically speaking, 
how exactly do you have a, a, a way to manage your time that you, you know, do you have an hour set aside every day to work on this project or that project? Or how do you, you know, if, if somebody's thinking about coming to law school and they have projects like this, what would be a tip you might give them for managing all of that? Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, law school for me is, is, is number one. Um, and there, there, there are times that things get pushed off. Um, you know, especially with, with I-14 lately. Um, but again, I mean, I just, I keep a really, really detailed schedule of what I need to be doing. I try to treat law school like a job. Um, I, I really try to work at like eight to five and then after five, it's time for other things. Um, it doesn't always work that way. I find myself up late at night, you know, reading law school stuff. And, uh, sometimes I'll trade, trade out times if I need to make a phone call during the day and say, well, I made that youth infrastructure, you know, coalition phone call, um, or I had to, you know, um, you know, create that Excel document for Colga, like, you know, and that took an hour. So I got to do law school stuff at night. And so I, I just try to, I guess, maintain a balance like that. But no, I really don't have any set times for, for things. And I mean, to really take these things to the next level, um, I, I will need to start doing like structuring it better. But, uh, I mean, I just got to get through this one L year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Like us all. Yeah. What do you, so what do you plan to, to use your law degree for anything in particular? I hope to go into, uh, to real estate development or, um, you know, brokerage or, um, or just like basically doing real estate closings. Um, I, I just, again, I told you why I love, uh, love property. I think mm -hmm. it's incredible, um, way it can create private wealth and, um, you know, instill a sense of community in a place. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know whether law's going to like, I'll strictly practice law. Um, I eventually want to go into politics as well. And, um, I just think having a, a solid understanding of, um, of our nation's law or laws is incredibly important for that as well as the critical thinking that law school teaches you and, the negotiating and mediation skills. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited to get into two and three L where I get to explore those a bit more uh, because those are the things I know I'm going to be using um, as a businessman and in politics. What student groups are you part of here? I'm involved. Um, I'm a one L representative for the Federalist Society. Okay. Um, I'm in the Business Law Society and in the Real Estate Law Society. Very cool. Do you have any other questions, William? Mm, I don't. It's, you got anything else for us, Frank? Um, any parting comments? Any parting comments? Let's see. Uh, just thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to to share my story. Um, you know, I would inspire everyone out there to, you know, if there's something you're passionate about, go chase that dream and uh, and just don't don't be scared. Um, because I never would have thought I would. I mean, I I again, I had this idea when I went to UGA that I was going to be this big man on campus that was going to run all these student organizations. And I mean, my life couldn't be more different, but the people that I've met, the experiences I've had have just been so much richer. And um, I think God has a plan for every single one of our lives and uh, just go out and chase that plan vigorously. Yeah. This conversation has been very interesting. I feel like I haven't done anything now. Stop. Um, but it, it, on, yeah. you've done a lot. You've done a lot. Fam. Well, done have, a lot. But, uh, <laughs> it's been, been very interesting talking to you. Uh, we appreciate you coming by and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks, man.